0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed.
1: Hello. Welcome to Pod Maverick After Dark. I apologize for the shortened sense of uh, our intro music because i didn't actually press the go live button but our <laughs> intro music uh really divides our community some people hate it other people absolutely love it i'm joined as always by my co-editor over at mavsmoneyball.com josh bow how are you josh
2: uh i'm doing good we made it through to the other side training campus started we officially have podcasts to do we're Little, literal new basketball things are happening every day. We've made it. The, the off season is over for the most part. It's, 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 good to feel. It's good feeling. Yeah.
1: And, and it's a good feeling in the sense of, I mean, I've talked about this a little bit. I, I tend to have like a sense of dread when I'm, when I'm getting back into habits um, it's very much like the the New Year's resolution stuff. You're like, I'm going to be good, and it's for me. It's just like getting back into it, trying to do it again. I hate the thought, and then I love the actual <laughs> like the doing. Um, the last over at Mavs Moneyball, for example, the last I guess it's three days now. I've been kind of you know pounding the pavement like Jay Jonas and Jameson. Get me more, uh, get me more Mavs content, and the the wonderful people over uh, that that help us write at Mavs Moneyball have answered the call. We have a couple of uh, good ongoing series right now, some of which we'll actually talk about later. First is our player preview series, which everyone is is writing on that. And then uh, everyone's favorite, or in some cases, least favorite takes of Mavs Moneyball, Xavier, is attempting to do a series of win total uh, columns. And I, one of the things I really like about the preseason is the ability to talk about other teams. And a lot of our guys watch... I'm just, I mean, I'm just to be honest. I don't really watch a ton of basketball outside of national TV games that aren't Mavericks. Um, I follow the league. I check scores. I watch, but I don't get in the weeds. There's like three or four guys on our site that watch basketball every stinking day of the season. Um, and I would say Xavier's definitely one of those guys. And so he's had fun writing about those things. We got a lot of columns and posts coming up. Um, last week, I also briefly made a call for, uh, new writers. I left my tweet up for about 10 minutes and received, I don't know, 15 to 25 applications. <laughs> uh, so, and we have a, a couple of new folks that that joined the site, really excited to, to read them more regularly and see what people, uh, what, what thoughts people have about the the Maverick season. We have a a diverse staff, not only of just like personality types, but also like what people think about the Mavericks in basketball. So it's, it's fun. It's fun. I'm I'm, I'm really excited about the season for kind of the first time since the draft.
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, it's going to be interesting. You know, we've got all the, I mean, we're going to be talking about these guys and these player previews, but again, just can't emphasize enough the, what the infusion of new faces does when you're on this side of the microphone or computer screen and you're you have to cover the team and not just watch it for fun like just having having this much of a roster overhaul uh really energizes you in a lot of ways uh that go beyond just you know, your interest in the game, but just, just trying to do this stuff. It just makes them, it makes such a big difference.
1: Well, last year was just such, you know, both with the Mavericks and within what we do here, it was such just honestly a clusterfuck by March (laughs) for, for anybody that doesn't know or doesn't uh, remember our SB nation podcast effectively closed. They shut the podcast feed down in February and gave it to us, which was pretty fantastic. They didn't have to do that because it it was their intellectual property. They gave it to Josh and I. We found a new home with blue wire, which you see there in the bottom right. But as all that was happening, it was really difficult to coordinate and figure things out. And so it's like the the design. And while the Mavericks were also a Titanic, like cruising towards an iceberg, So we're like having to deal with all this behind the scenes stuff. And like one of the things I keep talking about this, but apparently it doesn't sink in. This is not our job. This is fun, ostensibly, in yeah, theory. It <laughs> and, no, and it is fun. Yeah. But there were definitely times last year where I think this really tried you and I. You've been doing this longer than me. You've been doing this since the 2012 season
2: uh 2011. yeah i joined the site summer of 2011
1: and you were a sports writer going back to right after college so like yep. you've been you know at the grind in one sense or another since what 2009
2: yes okay Maybe, uh, 2007 was when 2007 good
1: god and so i've been at it since 2012 2013 it's just this was this was one of the harder periods of transition despite the fact that we have a lot to look forward to and i'm really really glad to be able to talk basketball real earnest to goodness basketball again um all right guys we're five minutes into the show and one of the things i would like and i'm going to ask a couple of times is if you're watching on the live stream if you could go ahead and hit that like button i would really appreciate it these sorts of things uh help i don't entirely understand how i need a gen z person to join our staff that understands video that can tell me what the hell any of this stuff means and why it matters to the algorithm if you could also consider subscribing to the dallas mavericks or I'm sorry, to Pod Maverick down here. It, it will notify you when we go live. Uh, it's down there at the bottom of the screen. If you're watching on mobile, it's a little weirder to get to. you got to exit through the comments and, and do that sort of thing. But uh, I would appreciate it because we will be doing regular shows. I don't know how we're going to be doing these these things with preseason games, which we're going to talk about shortly, because the preseason games start at 11 a.m. Uh, on Thursday, Saturday, and then there's a 145 Tuesday game against Real Madrid. Um before and then they play like one home game on like the 20th so it's mm-hmm. we have some like weird coverage bumps ahead but let's go ahead and uh talk about that so the Mavericks flew uh over to uh Abu Dhabi for yep. the the NBA's Abu Dhabi games and there's a couple of people that I know that went to the game uh or that are going to the games um, um Grant Afseth flew over there I think which is pretty amazing. Um, I'm sure somebody like, I'm sure like Windhorst or somebody is over there for ESPN, but it's, it's going to be an interesting, um, you know, if they're playing basketball in a basketball hungry country, both games are against uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I don't really know what the heck to expect. Do you have any thoughts on any of this?
2: Um, well, we're going to see that starting lineup with the rookies. That's probably the headline Mm. storyline. Um, because that's what kid said that they were going to start training camp and they were going to start at least the first two preseason I think that's how far he committed was they were going to start the first two Abu Dhabi preseason games and then they would go from there so we need, to talk, we
1: need to, just real quick did you see Jason Kidd? have you seen him he's lost a lot of weight he, looks, <laughs> he looks he like looks like disturbingly thin or if <laughs> I, give, I mean I mean I don't know you're probably right I just it's like I'm oh. used to him like kid the bulky point guard guy And it's really something to see him like that. Where I'm just like, is he okay? Because he doesn't have any hair. Like, like, it's like it's a man, all right. I'm know he's he's probably doing fine. It's it's not you know as a a bigger older guy. It's just something I was thinking about. Anyway, go ahead.
2: Yeah. So um, yeah, it'll just be interesting to see. You know, get to see the rookies with Luca and Kyrie and and Grant Williams, and after watching the rookies in summer league with summer league guards. Which, no offense to the summer league guards, they played as hard as they could. It's just going to be fun. Yeah, it's different. It's going to be fun to watch them against NBA competition while also playing with NBA caliber talent, um, which make, which is a big deal. Um, it's been a lot of fun to see Lively get all these reps with Luka in training camp, like regardless of the track record of like rookies starting on teams that want to win. Uh, it's still like nice to see because, you know, we were both, you know, we didn't play in college, but we both played in high school and we both I think we both kind of played the same position of big garbage man (laughs) and we were not, you know, we did not get the ball a lot. Uh, And I think we could both attest to that doesn't matter if it's high school or college or NBA, you are more inclined to do that garbage work when you occasionally get past a layup under the rim every now and then, because Mm -hmm. Hey, it feels good to score like, wow, surprising breaking news about basketball. So it'll be fun to see lively get some lobs. And I mean, I honestly think that that's going to help develop him on both sides of the floor because I really think when you get those easy buckets on offense for a big man in his type of role, it's going to make the rest of the game not necessarily easier, but he'll be more motivated. I think he'll be more motivated emotionally and mentally to to play on that other side of the floor. So one of the
1: fun parts about media day and watching stuff from training camp, and you know, again, we're not there, but we watch all the videos, we consume all the content. One of the things I've been slightly amused by is Luca is kind of he's kind of terse. You know, Luca plays basketball with like a sense of joy, which is great. But in the media, he's always been kind of quiet and almost reserved and everything. Now he's just been a little short. Um, maybe, it, but one of the, I've really enjoyed his comments about lively uh, where he he's indicated. And again, you're reading into it. I'm reading into it. Uh, he's indicated that he's pretty excited. Um, I, I just, that gives me a lot of, of stuff to look forward to. Uh, I would We've talked about it extensively, but I'm looking forward to seeing how those two connect in a real game. Now, how many minutes they're like, again, they play the Wolves twice, and I'm pretty sure they play the Wolves four times during the regular season. Like you're getting through these games, you're you're putting on a show overseas for fans, but you're also doing your best to not get hurt um like these guys are in game shape like that's why they've cut down drastically over the preseason schedule for almost all sports over the last several years because they're just you're just giving guys more opportunity to get hurt now granted every time they play basketball they could get hurt that's kind of the the opposite thought of that but it's it's something that that i'm i'm curious to see what kind of lineups we get i wonder if any of these backbench guys are going to be getting uh you know because they i think they carry 20 guys 21 guys maybe through the preseason and they have to start making cuts. And I'm wondering if any of these guys get a chance to actually show some, some, you know, much of anything. Uh, if they were here for more of the preseason, we would probably get, be getting more regular updates. But this is going to be one of the odder preseasons the Mavericks have had since Luca has been on the team. Um, I, I'm curious as to what kind of the early season forced bonding does. You know, obviously these guys are together all the time, but they're not going home between games, like they're over and they're sharing a hotel. And I think that sort of thing can probably be very good for early team cohesion for guys that, you know, like you said, we've talked about it a lot, a lot of new guys. I'm, I'm curious to see how that'll work. It's going to be difficult not to overreact to the games because let's, let's say that Anthony Edwards and Omax match up at some point. If, if Omax does anything to bother Anthony Edwards, we're going to be the excitement meter is just gonna be off the charts. And I don't blame anybody. I'm I, like that's what I'm hoping for, to be honest. Um I don't know. I, I I'm, I'm just trying to think what I hope to take away from these games other than the fact that I'm gonna have to like put on my do not disturb at work for two hours in the middle.
2: <laughs> yeah, you made an interesting point about the end of the you know the training camp roster guys because mm-hmm. that's you know preseason they usually get some chances. Mm-hmm. But three of their preseason games are like international showcases yeah Yeah. they're they're to put on a show and it's like well are you gonna you're not gonna play those guys 20 minutes in Abu Dhabi when all these people paid tickets and paid money to go uh, watch Luca and Kyrie and stuff obviously regardless those guys aren't gonna play like 30 minutes but still like I think it changes the equation compared to like a normal preseason where like at least one of the preseason games those end of the bench guys play like basically the whole game for the most part maybe that'll be what the the final game in Dallas would be um, maybe that'll be the game where everyone gets a chance to to give one last chance to, to make an impression before cut the final cuts. Yep. Um, so yeah, other than that, yeah, there's going to be overreaction because this fan base is starved for like good basketball. I mean, it's, I mean, the, the, the sour taste in everyone's mouth is still there, I think a little bit from how last season ended. So any chance any positive look outlook any any glimmer of hope that this team's going to show in the next two weeks rightfully people are gonna they're gonna want to jump on that because man i mean i can't think of a more miserable season <laughs> than that i've covered as a sports person than that last match. i mean it was awful and it wasn't just awful like watching the awful basketball it was just awful to be part of be part of it like mm-hmm. everyone was mean Everyone was everyone was a little grumpy because mm-hmm. it was just so unexpected. Um, and when you know unexpected things happen, it, people can react in different ways. So it was just it wasn't fun uh, at all for anyone involved. Yeah. So yeah. I think yeah. So people are definitely gonna, I you know I don't care, say lively and OMAX are gonna make first team all rookie after you see the first five minutes on Thursday. That's awesome. Like, yeah. Whatever. Whatever helps. Yeah. This last season sucked. Ah. <sighs> You know, I I will
1: say, so today was media day for most of the league. The Mavericks had theirs on Friday. Media day for the Dallas Mavericks was boring. And boring, in my opinion, for this team is probably good. Because I've been, when we've talked about this, we've noodled with the fact that I think that Luca comes into the season with a big villain target on him. However, listening to some of the different, weird, you know, there, there's obviously the Drew Holiday trade, uh, him going to the Boston Celtics, where Boston fans are extremely high on a front line that features Al Hortford and Chris Porzingis making it 82 games plus playoffs. Congratulations to them. I hope it works because it could be fun. James Harden not showing up in the Philly uh, Philly training camp. Joel Embiid with his kind of always constant weird comments. Uh, Nikola Jokic showing up at Denver looking like 2001 or 2002 Shaq with how heavy he looks. While also having no idea who Deion Sanders was. Really outsta- Like his media day was a riot. He's just so accidentally funny. Um, the Mavericks being boring I think is really good. I think it's really good because they the narrative against Kyrie and Luca. There's just there's this want within the national media. That's okay. I get it. People don't really like on a national level. There's a lot of Kyrie eh. It's just it's he's been in the league for a while. He's irritated a lot of people. Reporters are say they're unbiased. They're not telling the truth. Um, the coverage and that sort of stuff on him has not always been. You know, and, and it goes both ways. And sometimes
2: where, it's well earned the coverage that he receives.
1: Yeah, and but granted, during his time in Dallas, he yeah, seems to have been exceptionally joyful, which is something. Uh, you know, his preseason comment about how he wished he would have been drafted here was really like I, I liked it from. A, I, this is great, but I'm also like he said a lot of stuff at all these stops. Yeah, <laughs> but, but it's yeah. like there's a, there's like an inkling, a desire to want to say Luca and Kyrie cannot work. So for them to, if if they can come out quietly and get work done and and just notch up, you know, if they go six and four and they're opening 10, you know, something like that, and just kind of quiet doubters, I'm going to be really excited. And so that's, this preseason is going to be exceptionally long. We still have like three and a half weeks until until NBA games start. Um, I think it's like the 24th is the first day of the season. And so it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how long we can make it before kind of the forced narratives start to bubble up. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, that's interesting the way you put it there, because thinking about last season and this upcoming season, you're right. Like this season, there's going to be no rope for them if they start slowly or poorly. People are going to be on them. National media, even in local media, are going to be on them much quicker Because of what happened last, you know, because of what happened last season. Like, think about last season. We kind of knew that season was over in March after the, you know, those Hornets games. And for the most part, I don't think they got the attention until they started tanking those last two games. There were like 10 games in between that. And I think people were willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, especially locally. I gave them the benefit of the doubt. I mean, how many times did we come on a podcast after a game was over? And we were like, man, and the season seems over. And I was like, but you know, hey, there are two games back. Like it's still I mean, that sixers possible. game was unfucking believable. The one they won. The the two
1: forty point yeah. where each of them yeah. had 40, and it was like an easy 40 for each of them.
2: Yeah. So so we wanted, you know, they had a lot of slack last season because we just couldn't imagine that it was going to happen coming off that Western conference final season. Now, when you're coming off a season, when you finish 11th, no one's going to have patience for you. If you start, if you start slowly, like they've kind of worn out that patience. So yeah, you're right. There is going to be a little bit of pressure, at least nationally uh, to do well uh, because yeah, because Hey, when you get stars, stars get more attention. Like we've talked about, this team's always kind of flown under the radar, even with Luca because they just don't have any all-stars They got an all-star, another one in Kyrie. Like, they got another star, and sometimes that that brings more attention than you're used to. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. They'll definitely need to get off to a good start because I don't think there'll be as much grace as there were at points last season.
1: Well, okay, we're going to start player previews here after a break. But one more time, I'd like to ask if you could go down to, uh, if you're watching on mobile, if you're watching on your computer, if you could like this stream, if you're watching right now live, I'd really, really appreciate it. It would help us out. If you could also consider subscribing to Pod Maverick, you're going to get notified whenever we go live during the course of the year, which will be a lot. It's kind of alarming. You're going to see my face a lot. One of the things I was joking about with Josh before it got on is one of the things I keep forgetting that we're doing these on video is that I'm just not allowed to look absolutely horrendous anymore. Like, I need to get haircuts. I need to trim my beard. Otherwise, I get grief, which I is well-deserved because it's like, who wants to be looking at, you know, me anyway? I don't yeah, really no, understand it.
2: I've got that wolf. I got the wolf man creeping up on my face <laughs> right now. So it's about that time.
1: It is. Uh, All right. So we're going to throw a break here for our uh, audio listeners, and then we will be right back and start talking about some more player previews for, for the uh, next season.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data,
1: All right. Thanks for uh, listening to those ads. Helps Josh and I out. Uh, This is one of the, you know, one of the ways that he and I make a little bit of uh, it used to be beer money, but now it's daycare money Um, (laughs) uh, sort of thing to help pay the bills. So, you know, last week uh, for anybody that doesn't, you know, that didn't listen or skip the show, we talked about the scenes of Marquise Morris, Jaden Hardy, Omax, Derek Lively, Maxi Cleva. And I think we talked about, no, we did not talk about Luca um maybe we save luca till the end uh mm-hmm. even though i wrote on him yeah let's save luca till the very end and i just need to remember that uh the first guy i would kind of like to, to start with is a guy that we weren't necessarily sure if he was going to be here during the 2023-24 season and and when the way training camp started on at training camp Mavs media day started off we kind of thought tim hardaway might not be with the mavs this year because he showed up a little bit late to the arena um do you have any kind of an opening salvo on the thoughts of tim hardaway jr entering this year uh
2: i think he's a very i think the way he spent his time in dallas it's been a weird narrative for him Mm -hmm. um because think about when he got here he was the tax for the christoph perzingis trade he was the reason part of the reason the mavericks were able to make that trade was because they were one of the teams that were like yeah we'll take on Tim Hardaway jr's contract and when he got here he wasn't even part of, it. like, any t- anyone talking about the future of the Mavericks. It was with the tax. Yeah, he was, when does his contract expire? Like, that was it. Yeah. Uh, then he turned himself into one of the best shooters in the NBA, somehow, um, despite the fact that he was very inconsistent with his shooting before Dallas. Um, he's been, I don't know the exact rankings, but he's been, like, 11th, 7th, 8th in the three healthy seasons he's played in Dallas in terms of total threes made. And at the same time, while also shooting 38% or better. And if you look at guys, like, make as many threes as he's made over the last three or four years above, and then you qualify that with of those who are above 38%. uh, And it's not a long list of guys. It's like 10 guys, and he's one of them. So he's absolutely one of the best shooters in the league. Um, But it's also... And despite that, he kind of turned it around and now Fan, you know, I think there's a sentiment that he's an actual useful piece of the of the team for sure. But then there's still that kind of nagging. They've been trying to trade him for like three years. And it's like you've got this player who's been productive on the court, but not so much that he hasn't been able to keep him his name out of trade rumors. And it's been this weird balance of like trying to appreciate what he gives the team while also realizing he's still kind of one of those anchors might be kind of too harsh of a phrase, but like roster anchors that's been on the team for so long that we've talked about, like they need to get past this era of Mavericks roster building and move on to to the next one with Luca, And he's one of the last holdovers with himself, Maxi, and and Dwight Powell. So uh, we'll see. It's it's interesting. The one thing before I, I, I kick it to you is that for the first time, he seems more than aware and even a little agitated at the trade talk because he's been a pretty good soldier for the most part. And this, the his comments during media day was like the first time I can remember him seeing, seeming like a little disgruntled at uh, his place on the team. Sure.
1: I don't know how to talk about Tim Hardaway in a way that's rational. (laughs) I have a bizarre love for Tim Hardaway jr. I uh one of my friends, one of my wife's friends made me a shirt in 2019. And it said no, it's 2020. And it said and it says uh Doncic Hardaway 2024 like an election shirt.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the fact that it still applies, like I can still wear it and it makes sense cuz he's still with the Mavericks is really fun. Um one of the weird Tim's just such a weird player, let's be honest. Yeah. The first 3 games of the of the second Clippers series which was 20... 2021. He he shot 60% and nearly killed the Clippers by himself. Then he started, then his shot left him. And I don't mean left him for like the series. His shot left him for the next 60 plus games that he played. Because I, I, and I went and looked this up. It was the first, because uh, uh, he, he hurt himself during the 21-22 season. He hurt his foot and was and missed the rest of the year. He shot pretty poor for him in yep. that year. And then he started the year this last year, also awful. He was awful again. And then the fact that he's managed to turn around to where you go to his basketball reference page and you don't really notice it speaks to how good of a shooter he really is. I don't have a way to contextualize this, but the way the Dallas Mavericks play basketball, the way Luka plays basketball, you have to have the guy who's willing to take the shots. So many NBA players get in their role, like the Josh Green of it all, who we're going to talk about shortly. Josh has a real problem where you can tell that he's going to pass the ball before he receives the pass. With Tim, you have the opposite thing where Tim can still be crossing half court and you know he's going to take the shot that comes to him. And there's some real positives and negatives with that. But when Tim catches fire, I want to say the stats last year, the Mavericks were almost unbeatable when Tim shot a certain percentage, and then they couldn't win a game if he shot under a certain percentage. Now that's more of a roster building problem than the Tim Hardaway problem, but it goes to show you just kind of what they rely on him for. So until he gets traded, and I really do think he gets traded this year because I think there's some duplication on the roster. I'm going to enjoy Tim Hardaway insofar as I can. I'm going to be curious to see how Jason Kidd utilizes him. I hope Jason Kidd doesn't confuse him because him finding out that he might be coming off the bench was
2: one of those moments where you're like, "Is this okay. going to be another Christian Wood thing?" <laughs> can
1: we can we talk to each other, please? It's just, ba- you know, it's it's uh, yeah. things like that happen though. Uh, his defense, my favorite thing, my favorite recurring national bit that makes no sense <laughs> is Zach Lowe insisting Tim Hardaway is a good defensive player. No um but he it, it's not for lack of effort he's not lazy he's bad that's different <laughs> yeah.
2: so yeah he's interesting um you talk about his turnaround post all-star break last season he shot 49 and a half% from 3 on 7.4 attempts per game mm-hmm. um in 17 games so uh, yeah he had a pretty crazy he had a pretty crazy turnaround the one thing um that ha- has been noticeable since rick has left in the two years with the kid Um, His two point percentage has decreased dramatically in the two seasons he's been with Kid. And you can kind of tell he's kind of gone back to some of his worst habits because Kid, you know, the big thing with Kid and Carlisle was Carlisle had very specific roles and you could not do anything outside of that role. And for a player like Tim, who had some trouble reining in some of those bad habits, it worked beautifully. And with Kid, he's definitely taking some two pointers that don't seem to. uh, fly um you know he, yeah as we Brian just m- mentioned in our chat made to got to make his twos miss too many layups and mid-range shots every Maverick's gotta kidding. make
1: their layups yeah. like it was like there was disease on the team last year
2: yeah and so much of that is not necessarily he's got to make them he just has to make better decisions and which twos he's taking because that's where he gets into trouble so uh so if he can find a way to kind of rain in some of you know because he he likes to let it fly so mm-hmm. um sometimes that gets him into trouble especially inside the arc outside the arc whatever he can shoot as much as he wants because like you said you know if you've got the greatest three-point shot creator in the league in luca you kind of need someone that wants to take a lot of threes yeah. uh which is tim so uh we'll see we'll see where he lands but yeah i'm with you he's probably i mean if we both had to make bets, I think we'd both bet he's probably not on the roster by the trade after the trade deadline. So we'll see.
1: The next guy I'd like to talk about before we before I announce his name, there was a science fiction show in the early 2000s. It was a remake of a show. It's called Battlestar Galactica. Re, really, truly, an outstanding television show. Just just want to throw that out there. But one of the ongoing phrases in the show was, "All of this has happened before." All of this will happen again. And when it comes to Dwight Powell, receiver of his third contract with the Dallas Mavericks this summer, there's really no other way to describe him is Dwight has always been here. Dwight will always be here. I I don't know how, you know, I got to go find this. My buddy, our buddy Dalton Trigg showed me this that Dwight Powell is, I'm pretty sure it's Dwight Powell. He has the highest offensive rating of an NBA player ever. I'm going to go look like I, it, he, he sent it to a group chat that we're in that nearly destroyed me. And I'm your, just, it's. Your friend,
2: Seth, your friend, Seth Partner is going to whack you on the nose for using offensive rating with an individual. As an I individual know.
1: Player. He's right. <laughs> he's right, but it's just one of those things where it's just like how people feel about Dwight Powell is a Ro- is what a Rorschach test, is that how you say that? Yeah. Is is a Rorschach test for how you feel uh uh, you know, about basketball. And I I totally get it. Oh yeah. Dwight Powell has the highest career offensive rating, 131.0. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't mean anything, but it's just it's like he's so frustrating as a player because the things he can do well, he's truly amazing at. Like he's one of the best screeners. And that's a stat that most people don't care about. They're not stat, but like a skill most people don't care about. He is a tremendous roller. He knows where to be. And then after that everything else is kind of eh. <laughs> like I don't really like what else does he excel at to you?
2: I think when given the opportunity, he can be a good defender in spurts and and it depends on how they use him like I think he has really good quick feet and I think he has really good hands uh unfortunately when you're a big man that you know you need to be able to guard the rim and quick feet like that's more of a perimeter player trait you want to have um so he just gets bullied at the rim and, and and players shoot and score uh through him like he's not even there but whenever the Mavericks trap or play a bit more aggressive pick and roll defense. He really does shine. Like he gets his hand on balls in the, in passing lanes. Um, he's a very good trapper in terms of like getting out there and containing the guard with, uh, in a double team. Um, he's a very good hedge, you know, kind of like show and recover uh, uh, big man. But anytime you ask him to either guard the rim or play drop, and they asked him to play drop way too much last year where he's just hanging back in the paint. And you're it's just asking target. for dudes to – him. Yes. Yes, he put a big bullseye on his chest when you do that.
1: And that's what was so disappointing about the scheming was they brought back a lot of the same guys, but Reggie Bullock had no tread on his tires. Dorian was really rough. And so it's like playing drop was just not fair to Dwight. That was that was not what he's, he's, he's there for. And so I'm, I'm going to be curious to see what their usage is for him this year. They have a few new centers that they can use, but whether they actually go to him, whether they they go away from him, you know, Rick Carlisle like had to. Be, you had to like physically separate Wes Matthews from Rick Carlisle. Like that was the thing. Like you just that was what happened in in 2018, 2019. Was the you had to get Rick to stop calling post ups for Harrison Barnes and and uh and, and Wesley Math Wesley Matthews because it was like, dude, what what are you doing, Rick? You got Luca, and there's an element of that with with Powell, in my opinion, where I think he's their comfort blanket. And he, he just everybody, you know what you're going to get, like he's going to get mowed down at the rim, but you're also going to get the screens and the rolls and those eight easy points. And if lively or anybody else uh, can take a little bit off that plate and you can play Powell 12 minutes a game or seven minutes a game every now and again, instead of the numbers that he ended up in getting last season. I think that that helps the team a lot, but go ahead.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, no, you keep going because I was going to finish with were some some fun Dwight Powell stats from a season ago. Yeah, well, um, it's it's he wasn't part of the starting lineup. Like he 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 worked yeah. his way back into it because
1: the Mavericks' options last year just didn't work.
2: Yeah, I would say the big difference with, with the the Wes and the Rick analogy is I don't think Kid like. Rick wanted Wes to do all that stuff, despite having other options on the roster. I don't think Kid wants to play Powell this much. <laughs> um, I mean, for goodness sakes, he's the one who wanted McGee on the roster. So I don't think Kid has an, has an attachment for Powell more so than that the roster has forced him to keep going back to Powell. So now that they have uh, Rashawn Holmes, Derek Lively, um, some, some bouncier wings that could maybe play some spot, small ball five uh yeah we'll see if if he has to go back to the well i did want to end on a couple of fun dwight Powell stats so last season he shot 80 percent at the rim uh which is pretty incredible and i know a lot of people are like oh well he's just dunking the ball i'm like guys even the best finishers in the nba are shooting like around 75 at the rim so to shoot 80 percent at the rim is pretty remarkable that's career high he had a career high 73 field goal percentage last year um, and then last season as a pick and roll roll man, he finished in the ninety, basically the ninety fourth percentile, one point four seven points uh, per possession That's uh, not a
1: That's <laughs> just not a thing. He shot
2: seventy eight percent on roll uh, on roll man possessions. Like it, it's he's one of the most efficient uh, pick and roll big men uh, of this era. It, it's pretty crazy. Um, and hopefully they'll be able to get a guy like Lively that can replicate some of that while also giving you some more uh, rim protection because that's kind of the goal.
1: So oh, I love the comment, like, like even even in FIBA basketball, Dwight Powell is getting hit in the face. Like, <laughs> it's just the ability. Nick Nick Angstadt of Locked On Mavs pointed that out several years ago, and I just have not been able to unsee it since. It's really something else. Um, the next two, when oh, all three of these guys are good, let's go. Let's talk about Dante Exum next. I am really excited about his X factor potential in the sense of, I don't think the former lottery guard slash he'll probably play some, some small forward for Dallas just because of his size. I don't think the Mavericks are going to rely on him, but if they get anything out of Dante Exum this year, then I think he's gonna be one of the factors that helps propel the Mavericks back into the playoff hunt.
2: No, I I think I can buy that. He's still relatively young. Um, he had a really good season overseas. I didn't realize I thought he was in overseas longer than he was. He played, he was on an NBA team in 20, 2020, 2021. Granted, mm. it was with Cleveland and he played six games. Um, but yeah, I thought he was overseas for like a couple of years. Um but he played really well, shot well, stayed healthy. That's been his thing. It felt like every like when he was with Utah, it was like every time he started to turn a corner, he would, he would get some injury that would kind of knock him out. Like he never – like he played 82 games his rookie year, then didn't play at all his sophomore season because of knee injury, then 66 games, then 14 games, 42 games, uh, and then he was done with Utah after that. So he just never got healthy. Uh, he seems to be healthier now. Um, still has the same defensive – ability potential that that got him drafted fifth overall i believe in in 2014 so uh so so yeah the nice thing about him he's basically like the frank nilakina replacement on the roster Mm, and he has he has so much more skins on the wall than nilakina ever had uh and that's saying something because it's not like xm has had a has has a splendid nba career but i mean you just it's I don't think it's a it's a no contest in terms of like talent um and just a bit skins on the wall, because I don't think Nilakina ever played as well as Exum did internationally in that season Exum had last year. So someone that's gonna be like a reliable like third guard that isn't gonna play every night, but when you need um maybe a, a shift in pace or you're getting creamed, like a, a team is just is just blowing you up and your defense doesn't have it. You bring him in. Uh, someone gets hurt. Someone needs a rest. You, you give him the spot start, something like that. Like that's going to be his role. And I think that's going to be the best way to ease him back into the NBA as well. So, you know, hopefully it works. This is kind of, you know, Mavs consultant, Dennis Lindsay, who drafted him as a GM in Utah, has this has his fingerprints written all over it. Um, so, so we'll see how it goes. The depth that he
1: provides the different depth is what I think I'm most looking forward to because that's just been the, one of my sort of criticisms of the last two seasons of Dallas basketball overarching from like a team building standpoint is there was less consideration to guys 10, 11, 12, 13. You know, I understand you can carry guys on two way deals. I understand you can carry a vibes guy if you want, but when you have luka doncic and you have kyrie irving you just have to have some depth because they're going to miss a few games you know if we get 65 games out of luka and kyrie both i think we're going to be pretty darn excited we haven't gotten that kind of depth these guys just haven't played a lot of basketball now you can you can cite various reasons for both of them I and mean, they have played a lot of basketball they've not played the 70 plus game seasons that honestly are needed for some of these superstars. So it's like to have guys that can plug in holes and you don't have to worry about whether or not, um, the, the 15th guy is going to be, you know, necessary to play it. I'm just, I'm, I'm looking forward to that change of pace. I think he'll probably have a few big games. If he can earn any of kids trust, I think that'll be really helpful. But if he doesn't, I also think that's okay. Because right. I, it's it's the right kind of gamble for me. That's how I feel.
2: Yeah, much in the same way. I mean... Frank was the right kind of gamble. Yes. I just didn't <laughs>
1: want it for two years in a row.
2: Right, there he he wore out his welcome, but that's exactly the... You take a shot at a younger guy that kind of got lost in the weeds for whatever reason. That's so, right. So yeah, so uh, totally with you on that one.
1: Okay, now we come to the two probably most polarizing guys. Um, first is, let's go to Josh Green. Uh, favorite player. Well, I think it might I, just, kind, I mean I, I kind of lost my fun. mind Saturday night. I couldn't sleep. And something was sort of on my brain. And it's something I've been thinking about. I saw um I saw a, a, a post with comments from Grant AfSeth, the Dallasbasketball.com. It was about Josh Green talking about his contract. And I just sort of decided that I was gonna write on it because I knew in my head this was the case, but you know, going all the way back to Devin Harris, Luka Doncic is the only Dallas Mavericks player that was drafted by the Mavericks or that was traded for by the Mavericks on draft night that's received a second contract. Um, like theoretically, you can maybe count Dwight Powell because they traded for him during his rookie year, but that doesn't really count to me. Guys that the Dallas Mavericks sought out, I, it, it has been Devin Harris and Luka Doncic, which is 15 years. And between. then the funny
2: thing is, Devin Harris never played a, a second with Dallas on that extension.
1: Nope. Nope. They traded <laughs> them halfway through that season. And, but it's just crazy. And, you know, before that, it was Josh Howard. Before that, it was Dirk Nowitzki. You know, the Knicks had like a truly crazy situation where mm-hmm. they went something like three decades without signing a guy to a second contract, which just shows how co- bad they were at this.
2: And coincidentally, they have a. Pretty shitty playoff history in the last. Oh yeah, season. no, it's so, so, like that's it all it. adds
1: up. Like, um, and and so, and Luke asks the question in the chat: Does Josh get a bigger extension than Grant Williams? <laughs> I get into kind of. I I'm not a numbers guy. I'm not a cap guy, but I do think that a a contract around the same of what Grant Williams just made makes sense for both sides. I don't see a path to Josh. Like, it's so odd. My friend Sam Viceni talked about how this could be Josh Green's blow up season. And I'm like, how is he going to get like, where is he getting the shots to score 15 points a game? You know, where's it coming from? He works with this Mavericks team pretty well. He scored nine points a game last year, three rebounds. He's improved every year, but he's not improved so much to where you go. Oh, Josh Green, like our fans drastically overvalue him because that's what home fans do. And that's fine. But I think he's worth an extension. I think he's worth keeping around. The Mavericks are better with him than without him. And I don't necessarily think they're going to be able to go into restricted free agency next year and get him for four for 44, 44 million, something like that. Go for sign him for 55 and just like be done with it. Um, that I, I just I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does this year. I think he's going to get preferential uh pre- I think he's going to get preference over Hardy in terms of playing some of these guard minutes. I think he, you know, if he can continue his three-point shooting and if he can play point of attack defense, he's going to earn minutes. And I that's that's good enough for me. He doesn't need to be a star. He needs to be a star in his role. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, I mean, they just need more guys that are his age. Like, that was the thing about 2020 and, and 2021. And even when they went to the Western Conference Finals, you know, we saw that that weakness got exposed against the Warriors. They just need, need more guys that aren't, you know, at the end of their primes. Uh, and and Green is one of the few guys that, that represents, like, still has something that can grow and develop into. Then um, you need guys with, like... It's just so funny. We talk about Luca, like he's, but he's still only 24. Like you need, you can't just keep surrounding Luca with like these 20, 29, 30, 31 year old, like role players. You need youth. That's why, you know, Grant Williams, the two rookies, the fact that green has gotten some time to develop, that's been a really welcome sight. And again, yeah, you don't need Josh green to be an all-star, but you need him to be, you know, an above average starter. You know, you don't, he doesn't need, you know, you don't want him, his ceiling to be, really dynamite bench player considering kind of how you've invested the, the time into him and him being a first round pick and his trajectory. So we'll see again, he's, he is the hardest player. I have no idea like how to project, like how he's going to play because if you just look at his trajectory from, from rookie season to last season, like if it follows that trend, he's going to average, 15 points per game on, like, 80% shooting because his shooting numbers were outrageous uh, last season. Um, and partly that is because he doesn't maybe shoot a lot. I mean, he had a
1: true – no, you're not kidding. People uh, – not to cut you off. He had a true yeah. shooting percentage north of 90 for a like a, a not insignificant number of games. Like, he was bananas for a while.
2: Yeah, and I mean, there were games last season where Luke and Kyrie aren't playing – and he would go from like, like I'm looking at the, his box score. The Luke and Kyrie played in that game against Phoenix when Kevin Durant got. Tra- it was one of Kevin Durant's opening games with Phoenix, um, and it was a it was a showdown, like the bucket for bucket, really good game. And Green played 28 minutes. He scored zero points and took two shots. Um, <laughs> two games later, there's no Kyrie and there's no Luca, and he scores. 21 points on 16 shots, 9 of 16 from the field with 10 rebounds and 4 assists. And it's like, it's not just that he scores the points. Like, yes, when guys are out, he's going to get more opportunities. It's the way he plays without those guys. Like, he goes from, like, a bystander that doesn't touch the ball and kind of hides in the corner uh, to, like, those games where Luka and Kyrie were out, he was, like, the offensive hub. Like he's running pick and rolls, he's doing dribble handoffs, he's initiating offense from the elbow. I'm like, wait, when did he turn into Paul George? Like, I'm I'm not even trying to be like uh, hyper hyperbolic here. Like, he, it's it's amazing the flip of a switch when he got the ball a lot without Kyrie and, and Luca to what he looked like playing, you know, with those guys. So the goal for him this season, he has to find a way to balance how he plays without those guys with how he plays with them. Like there has to be a happy medium between going like a week and scoring 10 points. And then when you finally get a bunch of touches, you're, you, you look like an all like, you know, like he has to find a way to be like a 10, 11, 12 point kind of contributor when Luke and Kyrie are playing. and, And that requires him to be a little bit more assertive when those two are on the floor not defer as much uh, and we'll see and we'll see if his shot is real and we'll see if that keeps developing as it is
1: i do think the shot is real yeah i really do um because in the first so he shot he shot 16 his rookie year from three I, I didn't remember that till i dipped in i remember him not being a shooter but not 16 percent bad then he went up to 36. Now he's up around 40. Even if he's not 40, say he's 37, mm-hmm. say he's like league average. I, I'm okay. if he's shooting more,
2: then like need shooting him more to than shoot, that matters. Yeah,
1: and, and I need him to attack. The the as long, you know, and he's a passable defender. Everybody that's been talking to me, talking at me about how good a defender he is, like, not to be like crass here, but if he was a good defender, the Mavericks wouldn't have been like so freaking bad at defense. Like, I know it's a team game, but like I, I, I just He's fine. He works. It's it's. Let's just not. Let's not go nuts. Yeah. Um, he has
2: moments. His worst thing defensively last year was he actually kind of like overhelped. Yeah. Like, which is kind of understandable for a guy like him and his age and his time in his NBA. Like he would, he would, he would rotate when he didn't need to because he's, you know, he he wants to try. Like he wants. He generally wants to be, you know, as good as he can be, uh, and sometimes that happens. And then of course you've you've talked about it a lot. Like he can get cooked in some one on one matchups because he's just not as big as you think he is so but we'll see if he can overcome that speaking of not as big as you
1: think he (laughs) is
2: a segue
1: (laughs) our final player that we're speaking about tonight is the one of the the more interesting uh off-season acquisitions for any team i think uh is is grant williams was acquired by the dallas mavericks as part of a three-team trade that resulted in them sending reggie bullock and an uh, to San Antonio along with an unpr no a pick swap in 2030 which I don't want to think about right now um, let's just hope we don't regret that and we're talking about this when each of you know you and I have gray hair in 2030. Um, I don't know what to think of Grant Williams. I'm delighted that it happened. But I don't know how to talk about him in the context of what the Mavericks are expecting from him because I think everyone believes he's this savior defensive stopper when he is another functional, solid cog in what the Mavericks are trying to do. He's also, like I mentioned, a bizarre basketball build. He is in the P.J. Tucker mold of like, Six, you know, like kind of middle linebacker esque, where he's like six five and stout as shit. Um, very interesting basketball player. What do you think?
2: I think that I hope that expectations within the community are properly aligned. He is not the dynamic potential all star forward that I think. A lot of people have wanted this roster to get over the last three to four years. Your your Jeremy Grants, your Aaron Gordon's, your Pascal Siakams, your OG and and OB's like those that level. He is not that that guy. He's not in that tier uh, of player. What he is is he is a more youthful, athletic replacement for your Reggie Bullock or Dorian Finney-Smith role. Which is to say, he is going to be. He is a role player that will require his offense, most of his offense to be created for him. He will play some, some hellacious defense. He will give hellacious effort. He will not necessarily be your all-defense lockdown starter, but he will contribute to winning plays on the defensive end for sure. He will be able to switch. He will be able to knock down your open threes. So, again, all things the Mavericks desperately need, especially at the age that he is. And let's be honest, his contract is outrageous. Fantastic. Like I, I can't even – I think that's like the most undersold thing about it's, this whole it's acquisition. It's kind of theft. It's, yes, his, his contract right now is less than the contract Dorian Finney-Smith is currently on. Um, obviously, Dorian's his contract is, has less time on it. But, like, he's – I think Dorian was making like 50 – his total contract uh, he's on was like 56 or 57, 55. Five, and four granted, for 55. Yeah, yeah and grants it four for 54. Like, he's getting paid less – per year than dorian um and i would say he's he is better than dorian um right now so um and that's only gonna he
1: he wanted to be in dallas
2: yeah that's the thing that's one of the things you've noticed about it's
1: just an underrated element he's a brand jordan guy he liked wearing lucas shoes he talked about luca all year he knew what he was doing (laughs) <laughs> and that's the first time that like the, the um, what do you want to call it? The tinfoil hat brigade was really correct about something in a long time because that seemed to be something that was in the works or being discussed for a long time. That just doesn't happen with the Dallas Mavericks. Just doesn't happen.
2: Right. I mean, he's smart. He, if he plays as he could play with Luke, like his next contract will not be a bargain. Like he will get paid handsomely if he does. The things that he's supposed to do, playing with Luca, getting the most wide open shots he's ever gotten in his entire life. Um yeah, like offensively, like he's not going to be a dynamic. I hope people don't think of him as like a dynamic guy that can attack closeouts regularly. Like he can do it, but he honestly, like that his ability at that is is closer to Dorian than I think most people want to admit Uh, which again is is fine but i'm just just trying to reel in the expectations a little bit in terms of like what kind of
1: struggles with dribbling man (laughs) i do i think grant williams has some vision and some passing in him it will be better i'm not trying
2: to say they're the same i'm just saying they're closer than you would think off the top of your head um i my
1: expectations are he's going to help. And beyond yes. that, I'm interested to see how. Because what I can't figure out, we talked about this last week, we'll talk about this going forward, is Luke Burns says Grant Williams will be the voice of this team. He talks a lot and will take pressure from Luca and Kyrie as leader of this team. I'll tell you what, Luke, Ryan Russillo repeatedly talked last season about how the Celtics players thought Grant Williams talked too fucking much. So, But I do think there's something to what Luke is saying in the sense of the Mavericks don't have anybody that really does that. Luke is not that kind of leader. Maybe he never will be. Um, Kyrie is definitely a little more on the soft-spoken side. He's not out there being the fiery guy. So I think that – I think there's some – some there's something to that. Um, what he does do, and I started to talk about this, was the, he gives the, – the Mavericks have so many weird lineup options right now where their tallest player at a certain point could be their point guard in Luka. Like, you could play Grant Williams in small ball five, and you he's might. Guarded,
2: he's guarded Giannis. He's guarded Joel Embiid and done a decent and job. Done at it. done a
1: decent job, like not died. And that's <laughs> all you can really ask, you know?
2: Yeah. So. Uh, I think two things before we, before we close, you know, I, I want to get out before we stop. One question I'm interested in, I think I'm going to write on it later, is he was a situational player in Boston mm-hmm. he was never a full-time starter I mean there were times last season he wasn't even in the rotation which is maybe another story um, but he was always at most like a bench 18 20 minute uh, per game kind of guy last two seasons he did get up to 24 25 which if you think that's like the maxi right? like he had like kind of the maxi role um, which is going to segue into another point um, point I have so the one question that he will have to answer is he is going to be day one starter, 30 plus minute, like he is going to be in a role that he has not had before. So yes, it's awesome that he guarded Giannis for some possessions in a playoff series. Can he withstand the rigors of playing 80 games as being, needing to do that all the time and not just 15, 20 minutes in a playoff? The right I mean, point. It's the first time he's been a full-time starter in the league. So I'm not saying that like, that's going to be a bad oh, it's thing. different. Just something to note, like you know, he'll. It's an adjustment, so we'll see how that goes. And then talking about Maxi, I, I know I made the point that he's kind of like a, a Dorian or Reggie replacement. You can honestly make the case he's the Maxi replacement because uh, he kind of play. He's I think he's going to play a similar role that Maxi does, like you know, a four that can play some five, that can spread the floor, that can run, do pick and pops. And then can switch everything, and and maybe not guard the rim as well as Maxi can, but can be that guy that can switch that they've asked Maxi to do so much over the last three years. So maybe Maxi, maybe Grant here lessens Maxi's burden, which Lord knows they've been needing to do that for like two or three years now. A fresh I mean, Maxi, yeah.
1: A Maxi is like a. This is a terrible comparison, but I I'm baseball's in my brain. But the problem is that I don't know shit about baseball. Uh Maxi Kleba is as Ricky Vaughn, uh, being able to come in and, and just close and be crazy, uh, <laughs> yeah. would be my favorite thing. Um, this is a good question. Do we think there's any specific reason Joe Missoula disliked Grant? Um, I think Grant is not necessarily the most fun colleague for 82 games for a team that has high pressure on them. The Mavericks don't necessarily have a ton of pressure on them outside of the fact that Luka exists. Um, and, and down at the bottom, we have another comment. Uh, Grant has said, it's more about the difference in coaching philosophy of Missoula versus Udoka. That's an interesting point. That really is. I mean, coaching get along is important and Lord knows we saw that with Jason Kidd. Um, yeah. I think if there's anything else, uh, we're we're about done with our player previews. You know, you'd ask me earlier today. Is there anything else that that we really ought to touch on?
2: uh I can't think of it. I wanted to show that comment real quick because, like, one the good one about Grant is like, how often have we talked about for the last three years? Just the Mavericks don't have guys that can play in the playoffs, but they're playing any. Like, he is he is one of those guys that you can mm-hmm. at least count on to not maybe wilt under a, a playoff setting. Uh, he will at least bring it, and he has the ability to do things. Um, so so we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what else we could talk about today. We've already talked about an hour, but well, so, the nice so, thing is, is there's going to be more happening all week.
1: That's exactly <laughs> right. So just to talk about that, with the Mavericks playing at 11 on Thursday, I may end up taking like a half day and just covering the game because I have a lot of vacation to burn. Um, if I do that, then I will probably host – A Mavs party or group therapy, depending on the outcome of the game, after the game in the middle of the day on Thursday, like a true psychopath. Uh, (laughs) Josh and I will probably record Thursday night, even if it's a shorter show, because, again, it's preseason and you don't want to read too much into it. But we like talking basketball. Then we have another 11 o'clock game on Saturday. Uh, which our man Jack will be covering for Mavs Moneyball from home. Um, Weekends are a little tougher for both Josh and I, but somehow this actually works out for me. My son has an 8 a.m. football game, 9 a.m. soccer game, and a 4 p.m. baseball game. So I will get him sufficiently tired from these first two games. We'll come home and we'll watch the Mavericks. And then depending on if you're around or not, or if someone else from the staff is around, we'll probably also record then. I probably won't do another live show, like group therapy type thing on Saturday, just because we, we do so many of these. And honestly, it's really easy to beat a dead horse. Um, I saw somebody, it was Mara, who said, I just tuned in 50 minutes into the show. Please go listen on your podcast or rewatch this video when it's up shortly. I would love that. Um, again, for the third time and final time, I'm going to recommend, please, uh, subscribing to the show and getting notified whenever we go live. Remember, we do run these shows where Josh and I or me and one of the mem- uh, members of Mavs Moneyball or Josh, one of the members of Mavs Moneyball talks about the game. We will be doing that all season long. We're not quite daily like Locked on Mavs. But we do do a fair number of shows. Um, and the second show that we do uh, regularly are these live shows that I host where you can come up and talk with me. You've seen some of these in the off season. We used to do the Spotify green rooms, then the Spotify lives where you could talk with me. And I know there's a little bit more of a barrier for entry for video, but you don't have to show yourself if you don't want to. Uh, I always tease our listener, Leo, who's tuned in for years. He just won't turn his camera on, which is fine. And I, uh, but I want to hear from you. I want to talk basketball with you. Um, One of the things that I attempt to not do um, I don't intend to ever gatekeep because this is basketball. It is a fun sport. I want to talk basketball with my friends. So please come up on stage and join me or my enemies. <laughs> if you don't like me, you can also come up on stage and talk to me. I don't care. Uh, we could have a good good little argument and uh, have a good time. It's like being a sports bar. Um, do you have anything else for you get out of here? I don't think I'm good. Please go to Mavs Moneyball <laughs> early and often because we will be throwing up a lot of content. There will not, preferably between now and when the Mavericks exit the playoffs, there won't be a single day that goes by where there's not at least one new article. Hopefully as many as four or five in a day. You never know. That's the kind of staff that we have. We have 25 uh, mostly volunteers. We have a great time writing and and talking about basketball most of the time. Uh, This has been Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe. Thank you for joining Pod Maverick. We will talk with you soon. Go Mavs.